Anyone hungry? More importantly, are you hungry for God? Absolutely. That's the best of the best. This morning I'm going to be preaching and sharing on God's banquet tables. And God has banquet tables. Did you know that? And he invites us to his banquet table as well. So as I just get a few more things ready here. There we go. Awesome. Well, in a day of so many food allergies and preferences, I had to handpick and interview people to make sure we weren't going to have any violent reactions out the front. And so I've asked a couple of people to help me with my message this morning. So why don't you give your, put your hands together for Roger and Donna Johnson. Would you guys come and take your seats at the banquet table? And on this side, let's put our hands together for Debbie Roya and Fred. Come on, put your hands together. Thank you, guys. Come and take your places at the table on this side. Now, for those of you that are visiting for the first time, we have a banquet at church every Sunday, a spiritual banquet. And uh, I chose to do this this morning to create imagery, to create pictures, to create an image you won't forget, but more importantly, to tie that image to something that God says. So that you will never forget the picture, and you will never forget the picture that God is in. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Amen. Absolutely. You know, my, my parents left the United States of America back in 1967, and uh, my dad responded to a call to be the pastor to a group of, an, of Italian immigrants in Australia. So I spent 29 years living in Australia, did some of my schooling education in Australia, and uh, <clears throat> came back to America for four years while mom and dad had a bit of a break, and then we trucked out to Australia again. And uh, all of my children were born in the land down under. But one of the things that will never ever leave my memory is the welcome that we received when we went to Australia the very first time. These were Italian immigrants from the rural parts of Italy who had migrated to Australia hoping for a new life, looking for a new life. And uh, <clears throat> all of the immigrants there in Australia basically from the out lying regions of major cities, and they were all people who lived on a farm and lived in rural settings and were very accustomed to all the food that they ate, they pretty much made from scratch. In fact, uh, when we would go to their houses, uh, you know, when we first arrived, it was, it was, it was an amazing sight to behold. Uh, everyone wanted to have my parents up for dinner. Everyone wanted to treat them to their homemade delicacies. And so, uh, you know, once a year they'd go up to the mountains and they'd have a, a, a pig slaughtered. 
They'd make their own prosciutto. They would take the hind leg of the pig and salt it and let it dry out uh, in a safe place. They would make their own uh, sausages and put their seasoning in the sausages. Uh, once a year, the family would gather up all their kids and any of the daughter-in-laws or son-in-laws, and they would make a caravan of two or three cars with uh, trailers behind the cars. And they would go to the tomato farms. And all day, everyone would be in the field and picking tomatoes and filling up the trailers with tomatoes. And then they'd come home, and they would start to make their tomato sauce, and they would bottle their sauce for the whole year. And so here I was growing up in New York City, Italian by descent, but totally separated from my Italian heritage. And it gave me the opportunity to discover my roots. Uh, most of my cousins uh, here in America anyway all grew up here in the United States and I got to see some of the things that our forefathers our parents would have been involved in. And so I'd go out to the tomato farms with them and would collect the tomatoes and help make the tomatoes, uh, tomato sauce. We would go to, uh, there was a, a Catholic convent that had olive trees all around it. And the olives would go to waste. And so these Italian families would get permission, again with their trailers and the caravan of cars, and they would have their drop sheets and drop their sheets all around the perimeter of the olive trees, and then with their big uh, wooden uh, broomsticks, they would bang all the branches and the olives would come down. We'd go home, they'd set up big fans, and with the, blank, uh, the drop sheets out, they'd throw the uh, olives up in the air and the fan would blow all the leaves away and then they would start to produce olives and cure olives for the whole year, all different style olives. They would make their own olive oil and it just went on and on and on and it was an amazing thing. Well, <clears throat> God put a word on my heart and I'm going to talk to you about God's banquet tables. Did you know that God has banquet tables? Oh, gee. I said, did you know God has banquet tables? God can put on one heck of a feast. You see, when we got there to Australia, it was their honor and our privilege. I was just a kid. I was nine years old. My parents had three boys. Every week. In fact, a couple of nights a week, we would be at a different uh, home of believers. And we would have this amazing banquet laid out. And we had never seen anything like it. And so usually, uh, <clears throat> if I could have my uh, helpers, where are my waiters? Here they come. And so a meal would start something like this here. We would have appetizers, and so <clears throat> the appetizers would consist of things like fresh mozzarella balls with uh, uh, halved cherry tomatoes and black olives, artichokes done under oil and seasoning, and giardinire, which is uh, vegetables from the garden done in a pickled fashion. And so we're going to start here 
and Amber is going to start offering some of the um, hors d'oeuvres or the appetizers to our guests. You're going to go to both sides, and Stephen is going to offer up the next dish that we would usually have at the same time, and that is cold meats wrapped up in mozzarella. And so we got prosciutto. Prosciutto is that meat that they would make from the hind leg of the pig, and they would salt it and let it dry out for six months. So if you take one of these, there you go, and... Uh, All right, and if you would just take that, that's it. Good man, he, he learns quick. And so we would have bread, we would have all kinds of cheeses, we would have all kinds of cold meats, and we would eat on this stuff, and man, I tell you, you have uh, good cheese and good cold meats, you can make a meal just out of that. And, and if you would serve the other side, no, and how this works, they get three, each person gets three. I'm sorry, they didn't want them? I'll eat theirs afterwards. <laughs> it's three different types there. There's prosciutto, there's uh, gabagol, and there's salami. You want it now. All right, you're going to have to come back. They want it now, you see? So there's three different kinds. There you go. You got your prosciutto. That's the brujut, that's gabagol, and that's the salami, the soft salami, okay? And then there's another kind of dish that we would serve as an appetizer as well, and it's Italian sausages and peppers. Onions, mmm. It smells great. So, you guys could start eating. Father, bless the food in Jesus' name. Amen. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. They're going to eat for us. Don't be shy. Eat it up because I've got several courses here. And that's the whole thing. When we would go to people's houses, we would have like eight different courses. We would start with the cheeses and the olives and the brujut and the cold meats, the salamis and the bread. And you start getting full and then all of a sudden the next thing they would bring out is things like jardinera and... Uh, uh, garden vegetables that have been pickled, and you keep munching away. And then, after that, they would serve up an Italian soup. And so this morning, I've made chicken vegetable tortellini soup. And so they're going to have some chicken tortellini vegetable soup. Stephen, why don't you bring me the bowls one at a time? And I'll just start to serve that. And then as they're eating, I can preach. Ah, oh, look at that. Now, if I give them too much, they won't get to the last course. So I'm going to have to help them pace here. All right, bring me the next one. Can you see that? Can you see that? That is fresh tortellini with spinach and carrots and chicken, shredded chicken in there. Mm -hmm. You say, well, Pastor, why would you do all this? How, how many of you think this sounds and looks good at the moment? Does it sound and look good? And here's the point. 
I've never been to culinary school. I'm a backyard cook. I just learned watching my mom and my aunts and stuff like that. But here's the thing. God knows how to put on a banquet. And if this looks incredible, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because when God steps into the kitchen, man, does he know how to throw it down. go. Um, all right. You see, one of the things that we learned in our Italian culture is that enough isn't good enough. We, ha we have a mentality, and it's a mentality of abundance. You see, one of the most embarrassing things for an Italian host is that if there's only one item of something left on a serving plate, there needs to be tons left so that your guest is never afraid to take the last piece. So there has to be so much abundance that people, they can stuff their faces and there's still 15 pieces over there and no one has to ever feel self-conscious, do I take the last piece or not? So we practice abundance. You see, God does that. God practices abundance all the time. He said anyone who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And I got news for you. That even means abundant food. To an Italian, that's enough reason to go to heaven. Mangia, mangia, che da fa bene. We would hear that so many times growing up. Mangia, mangia, che da fa bene. And what that means is eat, eat. It's good for you. It's good for you. And all those Italian mamas would grab your cheeks and squeeze your cheeks and give you a big kiss. And I guess I should at least introduce one scripture. So here we go. The first banquet that God throws is the banquet table of relationship. The banquet table of relationship. In the Old Testament, there's a book called the Songs of Solomon. And in chapter 2, verse 4, this is, it, it's the dialogue between uh, the man and the woman. And he pursues her and then she pursues him. And in Solomon's chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Let him lead me to the banquet hall and let his banner over me be love. You know, God wants to have a love relationship with you. Sometimes we allow the enemy and our own distorted perceptions to break down our Christian relationship as one of duty. It's not a relationship of duty. It's a relationship of great love and festivity. God isn't out there with a measuring rod waiting for you to make a mistake. No, God is out there with his arms open waiting for you to give him a hug, to come and sit on his lap and to have fellowship with him. When we look at the parable of the prodigal son, Jesus 
God in the flesh. So God is telling how it is. Here's this prodigal son. He says, I want my inheritance now. Give me my share. I'm not going to wait till you drop dead. I want to live. And he lived life to the full, and he had friends while he had money. And when he ran out of money, he had no friends. And one day he found himself eating at a pig's trough. Some banquet that is. All the slop and all the leftovers from somebody else's table. And one day he said, you know, I could go back home. And my father will treat me better than this. And as he started to head home, remember God is telling this story. Jesus is God. God in the flesh is telling this story. When the father saw the son from a distance, he ran out to meet him. And the Bible says he was full of so much passion and motion. The excitement of seeing his son. He fell on his neck and hugged him and hugged him. And I imagine they, the father just took him like when he was a little boy. And rolled in the ground with him. And told him, son, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. So many times religion and the devil has painted pictures in our mind that when we mess up, that all we can expect is the wrath of God. And some have transitioned beyond that and they expect, a, okay, come on in, I'm doing you a big favor. But the picture that my father paints in the Gospels is that even though this son was arrogant, even though the son was rebellious. Even though the son had no regard for his father and he wanted what was his when his father would be dead and he left town, this father was filled with so much love that he could look past his son's mistakes. And when the son came home, the father ran out to meet him. And you know what he did? He put on a banquet. He said to his servants, get my best coat and put it on my son. Get my best slippers and put it on his feet. And get the family ring. Isn't that interesting? He got his inheritance, but he lost the right to the family. He says, now put on him the family ring. And the father puts on him the family ring. And he says, go get the fattest cow you can find. The fattest calf and slaughter it. Because we're going to have a party. Because my son has come home. You see, the banquet of relationships. And unfortunately, many times Christians don't come into the banquet of relationship. We get saved, and we, all we ever think about is, you know, trying to mind our P's and Q's so that one day we get to heaven. And there's a whole lifetime of relationship. If people would only take time to turn on their stereo and put on worship music and turn off the TV and put the the mop down and sit there and just worship him. If we would only take time to open up the word. David said, in a day before electricity, David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet. 
a constant necessity. What would you do without the, the, the power of electricity to light things for you? David says, your word is my electricity. It lamps and lights the way before me and everything I need to do and everything I need to see. Your word gives me sight and gives me vision. The banquet table of relationship. I remember the first Italian wedding we went to in Australia, and it was incredible. I never saw so much food. How many of you like shrimp? Who likes shrimp? They had bowls overflowing with shrimp. You peel them shrimp, and you would just peel those shrimp and eat away, and when the bowl was empty, the waiters had to come and bring you another huge bowl, a huge salad bowl. Filled with shrimp. Listen to me. You could go to fine dining. You could go to eat all you can. Nothing on earth comes close to the banquet table of relationship that God wants to have with you. Amen. Amen. Come on. Can I get an agreement? So, Amber, if you would... um, There are four bowls in the other room. If you would bring those four bowls. One of the other things that we would often have as an appetizer or sometimes as a side dish, we're just going to mix that up so that the sausages that were on the top start to get baptized in the juice that's down the bottom. That's the whole point, you see. We're drawing the picture of God's abundance. Look at that. Look at that. Smell that. Smell it. You know, the Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What's there to taste and see if God doesn't throw banquets? Relationship with God is a banquet of love. It's a festivity. Jerry, do you have a pacemaker? You don't have one? Good, because I wouldn't want your pacemaker to go crazy. I'm sure he will. All right, here we go, folks. I'm trying to help you all pace, so I'm only giving you small portions. Where's that water? Would you get me another water, uh, Paul? Excuse me. Now, I'm giving them small portions. In an Italian household, you don't get small portions. You understand what I'm talking about? And here's another thing. From when you're a kid... The household rule is this. You don't leave anything on the plate. So they give you plates that are overflowing and you can't leave anything on the plate. Abundanza. Kabish. Abundanza. Repeat after me. Say, abundance. That means abundance. And your God, your Father, is a God of abundance. <clears throat> Who didn't get these sausages yet? Here we go. 
There you go. Awesome. And then, so we would go from appetizers uh, to a soup, sometimes a little side dish like that. <clears throat> and then we would get into the pasta. Tell them they better eat fast. <laughs> better eat fast. Well, I'm going to let them... Guys, are you serving them drinks? You have been serving them drinks? Okay. By the way, that is not wine. That is grape juice, sparkling grape juice. Thank you, Welch's Grape Juice Company. <clears throat> I want to talk to you about another banquet table. It's the banquet table of blessing in the midst of adversity. The banquet table of blessing in the midst of adversity. In Psalm 23, David says, and I touched this so, ever so quickly last week, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Come on, everybody repeat that after me. And when you say you, we're talking about God. God, David is talking of God. So I want you to look up and I want you to point to heaven. Why do I want you to do this? Because they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. What made David such a fierce man of God? What made David such an overcomer? Here's a guy who started by just looking after his father's sheep and God calls him in to be the head of a nation and he had to clear out the land. And David allows us to get inside of his heart, inside of his head, inside of his attitudes and he shows us the picture of a warrior and a worshiper. And this is what David says. You, O oh Lord, everyone repeat after me. You prepare a table before me in the midst of my enemies. David in this psalm allows us to get inside his head and inside his, his imagination. And he allows us to see what he chose to see when the enemy was attacking him. You see, David's attitude is, the battle is the Lord's. In the face of calamity, in the face of giants, in the face of overwhelming odds, David could get happy and his attitude was, we're going to have a banquet. Why? He understood the nature of God. You see, Paul picks up this thought. He says, where sin abounds, God will abound even more. Where the enemy shows up, God will show up even more. Where the enemy will shake your life, God will rise up and he will shake the kingdom of darkness. Come on now. Come on. And so David had this attitude. A man of war. He was called out to war many times. But for all the times that he had to dress up and go to war, David's attitude was, God, the battle is the Lord's and you've got my back. 
Now I want you to repeat after me. The battle is the Lord's. And God, you've got my back. They overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. It's a very important principle. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. The word of your testimony. And sometimes in the midst of calamity, we allow fear to speak to us. And I honestly believe that God wants to put in us a change of image so that we would see a different image when we see the enemy. And so I'm going to ask you this question. When you face calamity, are you filled with fear or are you filled with faith? David, every time the calamity came his way, he said, we're going to have a throw down good meal today. He understood that if the enemy was going to rise up, God would rise up even higher. He understood that if the enemy was going to attack him, his father was going to protect him even more. Anything the enemy could do, he understood God will outdo and he will do better. Can I get agreement? See, God wants to change the image that you see in the midst of adversity. Do you see what the enemy's doing when you're facing calamity? Or do you see what God is going to do? When you face calamity, whose face do you see? Do you see the face of an enemy? Do you see the face of a tyrant? Do you see the face of one who is raging and he's going to tear you from limb to limb? Or you, do you see the face of the creator? Do you see the face of the God who came to earth and died for you personally? Do you see the face of the father who's willing and ready to embrace even a prodigal son? When you face calamity, whose face do you see? When Peter stepped out of the boat and he was starting to walk on water, the enemy knew that if Peter kept seeing the face of Jesus, he would keep walking on water. And so the enemy got the wind and slapped the waves across Peter's face to divert his attention. And all of a sudden, he sees the wind, he sees the waves, and he starts to sink. And he had the presence of mind to say, Jesus, you are my soter. You are my savior. Save me. And the moment he got his eyes back on Jesus, he started to rise up above the elements of the natural world. Why? That's an illustration of God has raised us up to heavenly places. Why? Because while this world is governed by the powers of darkness, we are above it in Jesus Christ. Come on, give the Lord a shout. Praise God. Now, I know I had my notes somewhere. Ah, all right. So after we'd be done with the soups and side dishes and the hors d'oeuvres or the entrees, then came 
what everybody was waiting for. Lasagna. I need more plates. That's the problem with an Italian banquet. We run out of plates. All right. Give me your plate. Now, you, we're going to do the cheese lasagna for you. You're going to do cheese lasagna. We were going to do the meat for him. And then your husband and wife, you can share it. Do they have permission to eat from each other's dish? Their husband and wife. You're going to give them permission? Yeah? Okay. Here we go. You, You see, I've taken you into my home today. Because this is what we're going to eat in about an hour's time. And so you're getting to banquet Italian style. Here we go. This is cheese. That's going to go to Donna. Can I have that for a moment? How does that look? I bet you they don't give you a portion like that at the restaurant. Does that look good? All right. This is the cheese lasagna. Here you go, sir. And if you would, thank you. We don't do small in Italian kitchens. Nah. I won't. Same size. Right. Just move that uh, knife. There we go. Oh, sweet Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Would you like a little bit of extra sauce? Yes, please. Yes, there are two sauces. There's a separate cheese sauce. There you go. Would you like more sauce? It's a cheesy sauce. Okay. You you know, a true Italian has just as much fun cooking it and serving it as he does eating it. This is anyone getting hungry? 
You apologizing for eating my food? There we go. There you go, sir. Enjoy. I want you to have an image in your mind that when calamity comes, this is what God does. You see, you'll never forget the time that pastor was crazy enough to serve up a full meal in church. But when you remember it, remember David said, in the face of my enemies, God, you're going to throw down and have a party. We're going to have a banquet. See, it's easy to allow your heart to go to a place of fear. But it's important that your heart goes to a place of faith. It's easy to let the circumstances fill your imagination and fill up everything that you see. But it's very important to fill your imagination. That in wartime, in calamity time, God sings over his kids and he throws a party. You see, David's imagery, this is David's imagery. He understood that when calamity came, the battle was the Lord's. What do I mean by that? I'm going to rest. God's going to do it. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to thank him in the midst of difficulty. What do we often do? We start calling up everybody we can. We go through our directory on our cell phone. David picked up his phone and he says, Hey, Dad, I want to tell you that I am confident that you are in control. And he just starts singing praise songs to his father. Hello? How many of you are getting a picture here? Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> How's the lasagna? You had the cheese one. How is it? Are you just saying that? Go on. The next sentence has to be, this is the best lasagna I've ever had. <laughs> How, how's this doing? You, you could be a chef. Seriously. Well, thank you. Thank you. Good. This is my restaurant. Do you realize that every Sunday when I put a message together and I wait on God and I say, God, what do you want to say? To me, it's like, cooking up a meal. We come to eat together. I think that's why I like cooking food because I love cooking the word of the Lord and bringing the word of God together. How are we doing over here? Do you like that? Have you tried his yet? He won't let you. <laughs> With his fork like this. Put your eyes the other way, Donna. How is it? Now, are you just saying that? Because it is. It really is? Good. Well, very picky. That's why he married you. He's very, very, very picky. Thank you. There's another banquet I want to talk to you about. And this is very important. This is the most important banquet of them all. 
you can uh, start to serve them some fruit if they have room for it. The third banquet that I want to talk to you about is the wedding banquet of the Lamb. In Luke chapter 14, starting from verse 16, Jesus, God in the flesh. Look, whenever you read the Gospels and you're reading something Jesus is saying, sometimes we've got to de-religiousize ourselves. When Jesus goes to say something, stop and make a mental note. This is God in the flesh, so he's telling us how it really is. Are you hearing me? So Jesus tells a parable. God is giving a story to reveal a reality. And in Luke chapter 14, verse 16 to 24, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. God's telling the story. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. Another, uh, the first one said, I just bought a field and I need to go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. And the servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and into the alleys of the town. And bring in the poor, bring in the cripple, bring in the blind, bring in the lame. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. God's preparing a banquet. And sometimes we, the church, become so full of life that we don't look with anticipation towards the banquet of the Lord. We get so busy in life building our 401k. We get so busy in life getting our house. We get so busy in life we forget our kids. We're not there for their bowl games. We forget our Loved ones, we don't show up when we're supposed to show up. We don't have time for church. We don't have time for God. We don't have time for reading the Bible. In Proverbs, it says, a little sleep, a little slumber, and a little folding of the hands, and poverty will come on you like a bandit. Here, the master of the house had all these invited guests, but they had too many other things to do. God said he got angry. Stop. Yes, God full of grace. God full of grace isn't going to let anyone abuse him. 
just like he doesn't want you to let anyone abuse you. Love your neighbor as yourself. You don't love your neighbor more than you. You don't love your neighbor less than you. You draw boundaries. You draw lines. And God's not going to let anyone abuse him either. And he says, you know what? They were privileged. They had opportunity. They were blessed. And when it was time for the final showdown, the big party, they were too busy for me. So go get the lame. Go get the ones who don't know how to talk properly. Go get the poor. Go get the ones that need a shower. Get anyone you can off the streets. Because if they're willing to come, I'm willing to have them at my banquet table. Matthew 25, last scripture. It's the parable. God's telling a parable about ten virgins. Five had their lamps shining bright. <clears throat> they had extra oil to take them through difficult times in case they couldn't get to the store. They had prepared. They had their lamps bright, light, uh, shining bright, their wicks trimmed, plenty of oil. They had spent time with the Holy Spirit. They were so full of the Holy Spirit, they were overflowing with the Holy Spirit. But there were another five that just took it for granted. Well, the bridegroom's coming. I'm one of the lucky ones. And they didn't spend time with getting extra oil. They didn't spend time with the Holy Spirit. They didn't spend time reading the word and allowing the shepherd to anoint their heads with oil. If you don't know what I'm talking about, play last week's message. They didn't spend time waiting on God. They didn't spend time praying. And this is what God says. Jesus is God. <clears throat> if anyone knows how it's going to go down, God does. And this is what God said. Matthew 25, verse 10 to 13. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the five foolish virgins who were not prepared, but while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. That the bridegroom comes. There are two things I want you to take away from this message this morning. <clears throat> Number one, even if we face difficult times, the Lord is my shepherd and I won't be lacking. In difficult times, while the world is screaming, while the world is shaking, while even I am tempted to be somewhat fearful, I will put my eyes on the Lord. I will look to the mountains and the hills from whence my strength comes from. 
because he will be there and he will deliver me and he will save me yet again. Amen. Understand. Yeah, give the Lord a clap. Yeah. <clears throat> it's relationship. If, you, if your relationship is the extent of coming to church on Sundays, that's not relationship. It's relationship. It's knowing him so well that you know if the enemy's going to rise up against you, God will rise up even bigger. Come on. Come on, church. Come on. Know it. Know it. Get it in your heart. Get it in your soul. Get it in your spirit. Get it in your mind. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there are plenty of perfect storms on the way. But in each and every one of them, your calling and your destiny is to keep your eyes on Jesus and he will raise you up above the elements of the natural world and he will allow you to walk with him on water by miraculous intervention of the Holy Ghost. If you believe it, come on, give him a shout of praise. The mindset of David, Psalm 91, a thousand will fall at my right hand, 10,000 will fall at my left, but it won't happen to me. Why? Because he knew that when the enemy rises up, God will always rise up bigger and stronger and better. Hallelujah. And lastly, there's a wedding banquet. And you can start the race running well. You gotta finish the race running well. And don't allow the world to pull you away. And don't let busyness pull you away. And don't allow agendas to pull you away. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else you're running after, everything else you're worried about, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will be added unto you. You know what that's called? It's called divine order. When we step into divine order by the choice of our will and we put everything second and put God and his righteousness first, God will order your life. Divine order. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> I hope I've made you hungry this morning. For the things of God. I hope I've made you hungry. To be that giant slayer. And be like David. That though your personal Goliath might come head to head. And toe to toe with you. You're going to be ready to not lose uh, your breath. But to catch the wind of the Holy Ghost. And say who is this uncircumcised Philistine. That he would come against me. The army of the living God. Determine in your heart what your testimony is. Because you have to practice it in the day of sunshine and in the day of victory. Because it's in the day of calamity that the enemy wants to fog our brains so that we don't know what to say. Say it. 
when everything's going great so that you know how to say it when everything in the world is going wrong. Amen. What a banquet. Maybe you've walked away from the Lord. Maybe you got saved when you were a kid. You haven't been living that life. Maybe you're here today and you don't know what brought you here or why you're here. You didn't know there was a banquet on. But there's a bigger and more important banquet than this banquet. God loves you. And the enemy and a lot of religious institutions want us to focus on our sin and God's wrath. But God wants to paint a picture that the father was at home waiting for his son to come back and at the drop of a hat, he was ready to have a banquet. Every eye closed. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, if you've never asked him to come in and live inside you, if you don't have that personal relationship ongoing with Jesus Christ, today you need to say yes to Jesus. You need to raise your hand in just a moment and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And if you've walked away from God, come on. Today's the time to renew that relationship and get your heart right with God so that you'll be there at the wedding of the the Lamb. Amen. Every eye closed. If you want to ask Jesus Christ in your heart for the first time today, quickly put your hand up. Let me see your hand, sir. I see that hand. God bless you, sir. Who else wants to ask Jesus Christ in your heart? You can put your head down now. Thank you so much. Who else would like to ask Jesus into their heart this morning? Who, who has walked away and you want to come back with a passion? You want to come back and renew that relationship? If that's you, put your hand up. You feel like you just need to restore that relationship. Thank you. Amen. Those of you that are watching via live stream, any and all of our media forms, I challenge you right now, God is in your living room. God will hear you even where you are. If you've raised your hand or wanted to raise your hand, I invite everyone, both via live stream and those of you that are here, to pray this prayer with me and to welcome Christ in your life. Repeat after me. Dear God, I believe you love me passionately. Even though you know I've sinned and I've messed up. Jesus Christ, I recognize that you are God. And as God, you died on that cross for me. That's how much you love me. And that's how badly I needed your salvation. Jesus Christ, I welcome you today to come into my heart, to live inside of me, and to live with me, to live through me every day of my life. Take control and walk with me and lead me.
Father, I thank you today that as I acknowledge my mistakes and I humble myself and ask you to come into my life, I thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ, what he did on that cross, counts for me too. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, I'd love to uh, talk to you after the service or you could see Pastor Tom. Pastor Tom standing right up here at the top of the aisle in his red, white, and blue. You can't miss him. Amen. Church, be of good cheer. Let faith scream. Let faith shout in your life because God is for you and if God is for you who can be against you amen 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 God bless you guys I hope by the time you go home you have a good appetite in Italian we would say buon appetit I hope you have a good appetite. You know why they say it? Because they know what's coming. I hope you got room to fit it all in. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. I'll see you again on Sunday. Amen.